Good morning, Cornerstone again. As you know, many of you know, I'm Jim. I'm one of the elders here at Cornerstone. And as you know, we've been, during the season of sabbatical, we've been receiving a series of teachings through our core values. In May, we focused on spirit and truth releasing worship. During June, we looked at identity and family inviting belonging. July's teachings were related to presence and creativity unleashing beauty. And this month of August, we've been addressing courage and leadership, rebuilding foundations. As a reminder, these core values that we have been hearing teaching on this past few months are basically the underlying principles and actions that support our identity, vision, and mission statement here at Cornerstone, which are as follows. Cornerstone is the bride of Christ and a body of worshipers who are being fit together as living stones into the temple of God. Our vision, we long to see Cornerstone alive in her sacred union with God, discovering and stewarding the revelation of his heart and mind, interceding for his church and the world. And the mission of Cornerstone is to be a catalyst of human flourishing through walking in the dominion of grace, leading others to enriched fulfillment in Christ, and creating and reframing the culture around us. So today is the last teaching of the core value teaches. I'm excited to kind of be the one to share that with you today. Uh, as I've considered what I, we've been experiencing, specifically over the last 18 months or so, and when I say we, I mean all of us, uh, me personally, my family, your family, our community here at Cornerstone, our nation, and even our world. I found myself looking for some real perspective, for some encouragement and practical reminders about what this journey with Jesus is really all about and what the focal point is of this walk with him. I was drawn to Paul's second letter to Timothy. And Paul is writing this very personal letter to Timothy while he's in prison in Rome. This is his second imprisonment in Rome, and it's not nearly as easy for him this time around. In fact, it's apparent from the text that Paul believes that his end is drawing near. It's just a matter of time before his sentence, a death sentence, is carried out. Timothy, who he addresses as his son, was one of Paul's longtime companions. He joined Paul on a second missionary journey. But when Paul left Ephesus to continue on to Macedonia, he left Timothy in charge of the church in Ephesus. It's Paul's desire to provide some encouragement and final instructions to Timothy before the Roman sentence is carried out. This letter has been divided into four chapters. And this morning, I'll be reading the whole letter. Hang on. <clears throat> After each chapter, I'll share some of the thoughts that I gathered as I was working through this text and about each chapter. We won't hit every topic or idea in the text, but just some, just some high points as they impacted me, and I trust it will be an encouragement and a challenge to each one of us. So we're going to read chapter 1, 2 Timothy. This letter is from Paul. I'm reading from the NLT, by the way. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, 
I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we departed, as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke down the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even Phrygilus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show special kindness to Anesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. The word of the Lord. So early in the chapter, Paul remembers Timothy's spiritual formation and heritage, the faith that was nurtured by his mother and grandmother. And I was reminded that each one of us has a story of coming to faith in Christ, a story that is ours alone. Oh, if we shared our stories, we might find some similarities, but your story is unique to you. Remember that story. It's a story about your personal experience with Jesus. After all, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Why? Because it was his plan to show us his grace in Christ Jesus from 
before the beginning of time. Your story, your testimony is powerful. Ask God to give you opportunities to share your story. Then be at the ready. Paul also encourages Timothy to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave him. Similarly, I would encourage each of us here, or those listening to the live stream, to fan into flames the spiritual gifts that the Lord has entrusted to each of us. If you've been given the gift of teaching, then teach. If the gift of encouragement is yours, then encourage and support others. If you have the gift of giving, then give generously, sacrificially. Whatever gift you have received, don't let it lie dormant in your life. Use it boldly because God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So brothers and sisters, use your gifts, not to draw attention to yourself, but for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. Paul also says, also, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Wow, that doesn't seem like a statement that should ever need to be said to a follower of Jesus. But there it is in black and white. I suspect if we are honest with ourselves, there have been times when we have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell someone about Jesus, and we have chosen to stay quiet. I would encourage you, friends, to own those failures, acknowledge them before the Lord, then forget them. Don't allow the enemy to make accusations against you and then confidently move forward and tell others about him. Paul says, don't be ashamed to tell others about Jesus. Instead, testify in power about him and what he has done for you. Paul continues, but be prepared to suffer for the sake of the gospel. That doesn't sound too appealing to me either. To suffer for him. But Paul is inviting Timothy into that experience with the Lord. May we too be willing to take that step of faith and be ready to tell the story of the good news, even if it brings a negative response toward us. Cornerstone, don't be ashamed. Be courageous and tell others about Jesus. I'm going to read chapter 2. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who had enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you to understand all these things. Always remember that Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. Amen. This is the good news I preach, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God 
cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like a cancer, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. Philetus, Philetus, yes. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, Pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the, command, the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. Be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. The word of the Lord. So chapter 2 is packed with teaching from core doctrinal Uh, topics to practical living kind of applications. Paul's encouragement to Timothy in verses 1 and 2 is to share those truths that he learned, truths from his mother and grandmother and from Paul himself, to teach those truths to other trustworthy people who will in turn pass them on to others. So it's kind of amazing to me to think about the ripple effect that can occur if we are open and willing to share with others the things we have learned or are learning while walking with Jesus. How often have you passed along a truth to someone you heard from another brother or sister in the Lord? It's important 
that we actively engage in sharing with one another, that the things, the things that God is showing us from his word, that kind of truth sharing has the ability to snowball and impact the lives as many as it get, gets passed on along again and again. In verse 3, Paul introduces people with different vocations or objectives in life to describe what it looks like to follow the Lord. But he kicks it off with another reference to suffering when he calls Timothy to endure suffering with him as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He continues with the soldier theme by saying that good soldiers do, do not get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. <clears throat> if they do, they're unable to please the officers that have, enli have enlisted them. Soldiers are giving their, march, giving their marching orders, and it's their duty, their calling, to focus on completing the objective of the orders they were given. As a believer, as a soldier of Christ, what does it mean for me to not get tied up in the affairs of civilian life? How am I allowing the things of this world, temporal things, to distract from the commission that God has given me or given us? to do? Are there things in my life, are there things in your life that get in the way of us fulfilling our call to tell people about Jesus? Things that get in the way of making disciples. Could it be that we need to rearrange some things in our lives so we can focus our attention on that commission? That kind of personal evaluation requires us to take leadership of our own lives and exercise courage to stay focused on the call, to build or rebuild the foundations that our faith is built on. Paul then refers to an athlete. He says that an athlete cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. So are there rules to following Jesus? How about these? If any man would follow me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. Luke 9, 23. I urge you, brethren, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Romans 12, 1. And those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. John 14, 21. My thoughts were immediately drawn to Philippians 3, 12 to 14. And this again is Paul writing. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed, possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. To finish the race well that has been laid out for us requires sacrifice and self-discipline. Paul then calls our attention to the farmer. The farmer plants the seeds in hope that they will grow and produce a good harvest. But it's hard work that requires diligence Commitment and patience. Patience to watch, wait, and pray in hope for the harvest to come. 
No, I'm not a farmer by any stretch of the imagination. Amen, Dennis. <laughs> but recently I heard Dennis say something that I've thought about a few times since. He said that every year he is convinced that the seed he's planted in the spring will result in the best harvest that he's ever had. And if not, there's always next year. <laughs> I thought about that a lot since you mentioned that, Dennis. That is commitment. That is patience. That is hope. So each of these persons, these, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, they were committed to something bigger than themselves, things that were really outside of their control. And it required sacrifice, patience, and endurance from each of them to achieve, to achieve that greater goal. So if you knit the three of these persons together, you'll get the full picture of what Paul is saying. Self-discipline, suffering, and sacrifice are inherent to living an abundant Christian life. No response to chapter 2 would be complete without the mention of Paul's call to Timothy to be an approved workman who rightly explains the word of truth. That call is to us as well. We are to be people of the Bible, people who love the word, who enjoy reading it, who fill their minds and hearts with its truth. We are to build our convictions and our very lives on the foundation of the word of God. I wanted to bring up not only Paul's call to be students of the word, but also his warning that we not get caught up in the alternative. So what's that, you might ask? Paul calls it foolish talk that leads to godless behavior. Later in the chapter, he says again, don't get involved with foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. These days, we don't need to look very far, very hard to find arenas of foolish talk or ignorant arguments. Facebook, Twitter, blogs, news reports, political talking heads, and the like. These activities benefit no one. They only create divisions and separation, even within the church. Paul says to avoid those interactions. Instead of quarreling with others, we are to teach those who oppose the truth. Teach them truth that comes from rightly explaining the word of God. And then leave the changing of hearts and minds to God himself. After all, that is his job. I'm going to put a plug in here for a time out. We're studying, we're reading the word, and we're studying it together. There's no objective, there's no agenda, except to get into God's word. And it's been a beautiful thing. Chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, 
but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their ways into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and, and Jambres. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The word of the Lord. Paul begins the chapter by warning Timothy about the things that are to come, things that will come against the sacred and even against God himself. People would become proud and arrogant, lovers of themselves and money, disobedient to parents and ungrateful. They will become unloving, tear down others and have no self-control. They will hate what is good, betray their friends, and look religious. But in their hearts, they will be ungodly. Watch out for false teachers who will lead the vulnerable and weak into following a counterfeit faith and fill their minds with depravity. Paul tells Timothy to stay away from people like that and to remember the teachings that he received and that he can trust the truth that has been revealed to him from the scriptures. Those scriptures have led him to the salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. Again, I want to emphasize the importance of filling our hearts with the word of God and to build our lives on that foundation. Paul reminds us in verses 16 and 17 that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Chapter 4. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. 
be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them what their itch, whatever their itching ears want to hear. Let me say that again. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject, reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also, bring my books, and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength. Sorry. So I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those living in the household of Anisiphorus. Erastus stayed at Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus sends you greetings, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. May the Lord be with your spirit, and may his grace be with you all. The word of the Lord. So as Paul wraps up his letter to Timothy, he reviews the content of the previous three chapters, and he hits the high spots as a final summary of the things he wants Timothy and for us to glean and put into practice from this letter. Be prepared to preach the word of God, whether the time is favorable or not. This goes back to our being ready to share our story at a moment's notice. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage people through good teaching. Again, being a person who has a good understanding of the word of God. A time is coming when people will no longer want to hear the truth and will look for teachers who will just scratch them where they itch. 
they will reject the truth and chase after myths. I believe implied here is to just let them go. Let them chase after those myths, the foolish pursuits. Don't engage them in arguments. Instead, we should keep a clear mind in all situations. We should not fear suffering for the Lord, but we should work at telling others the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the mission that God has given to us as soldiers of Christ. Worship team, you can come up again, please. Paul has acknowledged that his end is near, but nevertheless, he is confident that he has fought the good fight. He has finished the race laid out for him. And since he has remained faithful, the prize, the crown of righteousness, awaits him, and he will see his face to, Savior face to face. Amen. Cornerstone, as we enter into this season that is just ahead of us, I'm excited. With Justin returning from sabbatical and with Peter joining our pastoral team, may we be courageous to take on the mission that God has called us to, both individually and as a body of believers. May we take leadership of our own lives and shake off those frivolous, insignificant things that have become a hold on us and that distract us from fully engaging. And may we commit ourselves to become students of the word as we build or rebuild those key foundations in our hearts and lives. To God be the glory. Amen.